Marketing Made Easy, the podcast on this episode. I remember those people that told me I would be nothing, I would never amount to anything, I would never make any money. It definitely makes me stick two fingers up and makes me do things that I otherwise would have been scared to do. People always say, don't use your negative experiences, you know, block them out. Don't. Take them and use them to fuel you to get where you need to be. Now here are your hosts from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello and welcome to another week of Marketing Made Easy by the Get Savvy Club. I'm Anita and this is Anna. Hello. We are, hello. Um, and we are here with another guest um, that we're going to interview today. So today we have got the fabulous Lisa Johnson. Lisa um, has an online business, not a dissimilar model from ours actually, but what she sells is helping other people launch online businesses. So um, you might have heard of the model of, you know, you're going out and you're selling something um, your time and somebody's buying a bit of your time or whatever you can help them to do and you know if you've got eight hours in the day and everything takes an hour you can have eight clients but if you then sell a group program and it's online then you could um, sell that once to 50 people 100 people 150 people um, and there are lots of people in America with million pound launches doing this. Two of the standouts for me when we did it were she talks about why um, adversity is the best business foundation uh, so anyone going through a hard time, it's great news for you because it's going to stand you in good stead. And also the tweaks that she put into her business to take her from um, £100,000 launches to a £300,000 launch that she did quite recently. Um, so really, really interesting stuff. What did you think, Anna? Yeah, loved it. Let's get into it. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. Welcome, Lisa. How are you today? I'm all right today. It's sunny outside. And if it's sunny outside, I'm generally happy. We've been lucky. It's September now. If anybody's listened to this at any random time, September 2020. <laughs> so, yeah, we were having some nice weather. Now, we're, I'm actually excited about this um, podcast because we have different podcast guests on and they cover different things. But every now and then we get podcast guests and we're like, ah, this is great because actually we can just grill you loads and learn loads for our own business. <laughs> <laughs> so, And that's how a little bit how I feel about this particular one. Um, is I know our people that are listening are going to get a lot of value out of it, but equally, me and Anita are as well. So, Lisa, you have a business that basically um, teaches people to have online launches. So you help people who want to launch whatever it is that they can do online and like a one-to-many model. So rather than just selling your time for money and having one client after another client after another client, you say, right, okay, what about if you packaged all that up, sold it online, and you could sell it to a group of people, they all get the value out of it, you get more money, win-win, you know, happy days. It's all about passive income for me, or semi-passive income, and so with that, usually the easiest way, there is lots of different ways, but the easiest way, the one I see most, is going from one-to-one to 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 one-to-many. Yeah, definitely, and you do that very successfully, and you, I don't know how you came into my world, it must have been a Facebook ad, maybe, um, but you did recently and you did um, your latest launch. I think you sold something like over 300 um, programs, didn't you? At- yeah, I, everything in my head is in dollars. So I'm trying to convert it. I think it's about £310,000 um, during the, the April of lockdown, which was a surprise to me as as much as everybody, by the way. <laughs> None of us knew whether this was going to be a bad thing for our industry or a good thing. But what I love, I think, I think actually, Anita, you must have said, oh, this is a challenge coming up. Let's watch it. And I must have um, gone from there. But uh, when we watched your challenge, it kind of made, made us like give us permission for the next challenge that we did to not stress as much about it and not put as much in. Because our, our flagship challenge that we do, which we are doing next, well, at the end of this month, 
we are still doing it in that like huge way. There's loads yeah. of different lives and all these PDFs. But this other one that we did, smaller one that was like opening our academy, which is our membership site, we went, you know what? Well, we could just do four days as well and only go live once. We don't have to put all of this in. And actually, yeah. we copied that model and it was so, it almost felt too easy. And I was and a little bit worried. Weird. I was a little bit, we're not working hard enough here. No one's <laughs> going to join. And then 97 people joined our academy. So we were like, it works. It's okay. And lots of people think like that. But actually, I think you can overwhelm in challenges and if you do too much in challenges then what happens is people think oh god well now I've got to do all this work that they've told me about in the challenge so I can't join any kind of course or anything because I've got all this to do and I think stripping it back not only is nicer for them like I see people with these all these workbooks and worksheets and I know if it's me I've got time for this stuff oh, like, no. I just have the time. and so I always think how can we make it as simple as possible for them to actually get the results that they want you don't need to give everything um you just need to get them to the place where they realize that they could actually do this but you didn't start with that massive launch did you obviously lots of people and I see you know it's kind of a lot of the American model is um what I really liked about you is loads of people saying you don't need an audience to make loads of money. Just buy this course and you can launch to an audience of five people and make, you know, £3,000. And you just say, you do, you need an audience. So you you spent years building up that audience to get to that point and launching and, and all of that, didn't you? Yeah, well, I spent the, f- the first time I launched, I had sold nothing to my audience. I started an audience, built it and sold nothing for five months. I just gave value for five solid months I'm talking like every day this wasn't like a very easy I know the word passive in passive income sounds passive it really isn't it's you know I spent ages each day like making sure that I was there for them that they knew what I was about that they knew my personality as well as what I knew um and so that's why in month six yeah I made a hundred thousand in month six from that one audience and at the time it was 1,200 people Mm. but it took people say like oh you made it with like an overnight success it took five months before that of like proper dedicated every day even that's pretty phenomenal isn't it It it's quicker than most people do it yeah Yeah. I've seen quicker though there are people my own clients have beaten me at that that's the aim that's what you want yeah that's absolutely the aim the the quickest I've had is in the current uh, cohort of my my one-to-many program I had a girl who girl woman who um started an audience two months 190 people made 52,000 wow yeah it's mad like even I didn't think that that was going to happen but it just showed like the more you tweak it the more you realize uh what you need to give like the effort you need to put in at the beginning and you don't stall and you don't overthink and you don't worry about what people will say and you don't worry if you're doing it right just do stuff you can learn as you go along just do some stuff uh, the quicker it is I only started my business three years ago just over three years ago and I feel like people often say you know you need to like do one-to-one for five years and and hone it all in and you need to do it this way and this way you don't need to do anything you do what works for you, the business model that works for you. For me, I knew the one-to-one model wasn't for me. It took me a year to work that out, and then I knew. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I changed it all. But I now have clients coming in that are straight away, like, I don't want to do one-to-one. I'm like, you don't have to. Like, you just don't have to. You can do whatever works for you. We do minimal amount of one-to-ones don't we because yeah. we just don't it's, it's just not, it's hard work yeah, yeah it's, it's not as it can be f- fulfilling but not as fulfilling really and and I felt a bit like that really when we 
when we started, because my background's recruitment. So I've been a recruitment consultant for 17 years. So who am I to turn around one day and just be like, well, I'm a social media coach from nowhere. But obviously I know that I've done social media all yeah. the way through my recruitment business, all the way through the property business that I had as well. And that's what helped me get further faster. So I knew this stuff, but it, it does feel a bit like when Anita and I just started working together and went, right, put like a flag in the ground and went, right, get Savvy Clubs here. We went and got some photos done, which is obviously really important. The first thing we did was get some branded photos. And then we were just out and everyone was like, yeah. you're everywhere, you're doing whatever. And it did feel a bit like, you know, especially if people challenged, you went, well, how long have you been working together? Like, uh, four weeks. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not about how long you've been doing yeah. the thing that you've been doing. It's your experience in life and mm, yeah. in the things you've learned. Like, you know, yes, I had been a coach for only three years, but before that I had a wedding business, so I understood business. Before that I worked in investment banking, so I understood finance. You know, before that I was a lawyer, so I understood contract. All of those things together make me who I am now. And that's why I think it's really funny when people say things like, oh, but you only started three years ago. And in my head, I'm like, I only started this business three years ago, but yeah. my it's been a 20 year body of work to get where I am Yeah, right and now. every little thing that you did, like added together, just silly things like I did performing arts when I was a kid like went to college and did that and at the time everyone said no you're wasting time well I got rid of the strongest Lex Leicester accent you've ever heard in your entire <laughs> life otherwise I could never have gone into telesales that led to this that led to that yeah. so it just got it does and you yeah. never know how the dots connect do you until when you look back I think Steve Jobs yeah. said that where he's like oh okay that makes sense and that was that's useful for that and we had another uh, podcast guest Cindy who talked about actually you know, women are sometimes, you know, reticent to tell people how old they are because they're seen as old. And actually, it's a badge of honour because if you're a certain age, you've got years of experience that you can bring to any situation and you can sort it out. So you should be proud saying, I'm, you know, <laughs> this age. I, I, I wasn't successful until I hit 40. And so for mm. me, one of the things that I think is a, a really big deal is people that think it's too late. Like, yeah. I don't want people to think like that. Like, I was... At 38, 39 years old, I was 30 grand in debt. At 42, yeah. I'm, you know, going on for 2 million. There's no too late in it. You have yeah. to decide when you're going to start. And you're not actually too late because you probably weren't ready for it before. When I look back, all the things that have happened to me, even in the wedding business, which was only like five, six years ago, have made me this, have given me this experience. I wouldn't be this without all of those things. So actually, I wasn't ready to be a coach 10 years ago to make this kind of money. Yeah. It's right yeah. for me now. And I think that everyone's where they should be at the right time. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, which I heard on one of your lives, actually, um, was that you grew up a Mormon. Um, I had a friend who I used to work with who was a Mormon. And I, I'm one of these people, if I've don't know about something I'll just ask questions yeah, yeah. And lots, and lots and lots of them and uh, it was really interesting so are you connected to that in any way now or yeah, my you... dad's still a Mormon oh okay so yeah I grew up so at the age of 11 my parents split up my dad is Maltese and had you know was a, a very a little Maltese man who had a very strong accent he worked all the time and he we grew up with him so at 11 he took over my mum left and so I lived with him and my sister and my older brother for a little bit. And we, he was working all the time. So he was like working days and nights. So we were kind of on our own a lot of the time. Um, and it was a really strange kind of upbringing. But he went from being a strict Catholic, as most Maltese people are strict Catholic, 
to overnight we became Mormons and um, yeah. it was a good thing when I look back at it it's a really good thing when you're a Mormon you can't drink alcohol you yeah. can't take drugs you can't there's so many things you can't do but actually at that time I felt that he was drinking too much he'd say now I I wasn't and maybe it's my clouded 11 year old view but he went from that to not drinking at all ever again one drop wow and, and becoming um you know his whole existence for living was us and bringing us up properly and so that religion that I grew up in it shielded me from so much because I was really because I was bullied when I was younger I would have been one of those people that was very influenced by others um I would I wanted anyone to like me so I would have done whatever anybody wanted but because of the values that the church gave me I didn't drink I didn't go anywhere near drugs. I didn't, I wasn't promiscuous. There was quite a lot of things that I was shielded from until I was a lot older. And I left the church um, when I was 18. And I think that I needed that church then to give me some kind of self-worth because of all the things that were going on in my life without it. That was my sort of sanctuary. Um, But yeah, I I left, I realised that I didn't believe in God when I was 18 and so I couldn't really be part of this <laughs> Get in the way of it. got in the way yeah. yeah but you know my dad still my dad married another Mormon lady when I was 16 who she had nine children wow. so we were this huge you know um huge family of, of 12 of us and yeah 12 kids and it was it was an interesting time but I can see now when I look back how all of these things were like pieces of a puzzle for my mindset and for my life and the things that came after it. Did you all live together? At one point, we nearly all did. Two of them, two or three of them were too old to live with us and had already moved out. I was somewhere in the middle. Um, but a lot I got, of children. It's a lot of children. And I got married when I was, I think I just turned 18. I think I was either 17 or I just turned 18. Um, so, and I think that was because this, you know, going from just the three of us me my sister and my dad having this like really tight relationship to suddenly being in this house with loads of other people Mm -hmm. Uh, I think and and I was being bullied at the time and I think the whole thing just made me just get married to the first person that came along and showed any interest and he was a lot older than me um and yeah that wasn't a great situation either I kind of went from the frying pan into the fire there but I think you often do that when you label yourself as a victim which I definitely had done at that time you tend to attract the same thing and you go in patterns and for me that was bullying and so I got bullied by him and you know it was a it was quite a while after that you know I was divorced by 21 that things started to change for me and I started to come out of my shell a bit and wasn't such a terrified mouse which is what I I was really up until the age of probably about 24 25. You're clearly driven and ambitious and then a career woman you do have children so you are a working mom so when I look back um, and I had my children had to make that choice of whether to go back to work or not I kind of made it because for me children weren't my whole life and I didn't want them to be my whole life and I didn't actually want to be at home with them full time and I felt really bad about that but I justify it and I genuinely believe that you know being a working person especially um, having your own business being successful you're a fantastic role model for your children so I'm like well I'll be their role model and everything did you suffer those that kind of guilt or how do you make it all work kind of did suffer the mum guilt but only because at the time I was in corporate and so I was going through a divorce, my second husband, and had to go back to work because I had these twins that weren't planned for, 
so it wasn't I hadn't decided to become a mum I'd just become a mum and uh, kids weren't really in the plan and so I had the twins and then was you know split up with their dad pretty much straight after and so I had to go back to work. Young, yeah five months old oh, and I yeah. I went back to work when I was five months old uh, for financial reasons I was working in the investment bank at the time and um, realized that in that job I mean, the mum guilt hardly came into it. It was more the guilt that I wasn't being a parent in any way. I was leaving at six o'clock in the morning before they were out of their bed. I was, you know, coming in at nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night sometimes, and they were in bed. And some weeks I didn't see them for four days. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was just nanny handover continuously. And so I realised very quickly that I couldn't continue and that something was going to have to change. And my first thought was, well, I'll just get a job near a home. And so I kind of cut my salary from this great investment banking salary to a PA. I went back to being a PA because it was a nice, easy nine to kind of four, nine to five job near, right near my house. So I could see them every day. And so I got the balance back there, but I got bored. But that year is when I started my business while I was working. So it all started because of that. Now I feel no mum guilt because... I think that whatever you do, you're going to feel guilty. You're going to either feel guilty because you're not an individual, your own person and your kids are your life, or you're going to feel guilty because they're not. And because you do have this other life where you want to do things and you want to make money. And, you know, I'm not, I'm that person that hates going to the school gates because if I go and take my kids to school, I will always get the, oh, it must be so hard for you traveling all the time and not seeing them. And I can see it comes where it comes from. It's a place of like envy. It's a place of jealousy. Yeah. And I get that. So I'm not going to feel the, their guilt. I'm not going to feel their issues. And so instead, I just realized that my kids absolutely have seen the value of me working. It's instilled a massive work ethic in them, which I like. And in the first year that the kids went to school they came home laughing one day because they said did you know mummy and sam who's their stepdad did you know that what actually happens in our school is some of the mums stay at home and the dads go out to work and they thought this was hilarious <laughs> they'd never That's seen great. anything like it but that i love that because they mm. see no difference between a woman and a man's role at all they think they're exactly the same because of what they've grown up seeing so yeah. it's worth it for to instill this values in them i'm the same on the school run i try and keep away from the school it's great now you know because um due to covid you can't go near them can you you, know, you go in and you've got like a 20 minute 20 25 minute window so you're not going to see the people because you, you walk through you, you take your child to the door and you go by and you carry on walking around the one way so you don't stop you don't speak to anyone yeah it's good really my husband Sam is the stay-at-home parent he's the main carer so he does all of that kind of dropping off and going to the parents evenings and all of that kind of stuff and I barely get involved in it like when I'm with my kids I'm only with my kids and we go on you know we travel for six months of the year usually this year has been different so I take them to places and I'm only with them I don't work when I'm with them but when I'm working I love my work and when I'm not being a parent I love that too I'm not I 
honestly don't believe your kids have to be everything and I think it can be dangerous for you as a person as an individual if you see life like that because they're not going to be your everything forever and then what's going to happen they're going to leave you find something else to do to occupy your time and your mind and everything yeah but it's good um, for them too to see you doing other things and see you having a life outside of them and you know it, they're so independent my kids because they've, they're so adaptable because they've been like co-parented by three people since the age of about eight months 10 months and so they've you know it's, it's very normal for them and they've never had that thing where they go into nursery or they go into school or to a kids club and they're scared they just don't care they'll, they'll just they're very confident which do you know what I think confidence is the best thing you can instill so if you can walk into a room and feel confident and chat to anyone that's better than any qualifications or exam certificates isn't it that will get you anywhere you want to go and I wasn't like that when I was a kid so I like seeing them like that and I've got yeah. I've got I was just writing on Facebook, actually, um, a couple of hours ago. I've got one of my twins, Albert. He um, identifies a little bit more as a girl. They're both boys, but he likes to wear girlish clothes and he likes pink hair clips and all of that kind of thing. And they teach us so much, kids, because I would have been too scared to stand out in any way when I was a kid and he does not care so we say to him look I know you want your hair in a ponytail it's got very long hair and I know you want to wear these pink clips but we just want to make you aware that you may be made fun of you know not everybody understands people like you you people might say things to you or laugh at you he's like I don't care that's up to them that's not my issue that's their issue and I'm like floored by it because it takes me now like strength to think like that when people are mean to me online and yet it, for him it's like a completely different ball game. but he's obviously has picked that up from you though I'm a real advocate for using the adversities that you've had in life to fuel your success I'm doing a TEDx talk next year on exactly that I think oh, it's so important that we use the things that have maybe maybe for some people would hold them back and we use it to actually push us forward. I know I definitely do that. Like when I'm scared of anything, if I'm scared of walking onto a stage and doing a talk or anything like that, I think I remember those people that told me I would be nothing. I would never amount to anything. I would never make any money. It definitely makes me stick two fingers up and makes me do things that I otherwise would have been scared to do. And people always say, don't use your negative experiences, you know, block them out. Don't take them and use them to fuel you to get where you need to be. Yeah, and especially when you know there's people out there thinking you've got no right to be there or doing that or whatever, and then you think in your head, yeah, I have, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it, and you're gonna watch me. It's, it's, yeah, you should just never care what people think. Yeah. It's, it's this one thing that held me back for so long. It's a difficult place to get to, but you're right when you get there. And unfortunately, I didn't get there till I was in my forties. But when you do, it's lovely, isn't it? It's the most empowering. I've only got here in the past probably 18 months if I'm honest about it even two years ago when I was being bullied online I was scared to say things I was worried what people would think I might not write a post in case it triggered something or someone and it all started again it's only recently that I've kind of gone like oh, do you know what I no longer care you're always gonna hack someone off so you're well. gonna take it the wrong way aren't they so you might as well just speak the truth be true to what you're and then at least it's what what you actually mean and the disliking you for you being you <laughs> not <laughs> pretending to be someone else like, it's all about them anyway nothing's about you it's all about them 
projection, jealousy. If you've been somebody that's had knocks through your life and you've had to, you know, navigate through different ways of and things haven't been normal or whatnot, um, then you kind of have this white these coping mechanisms. And what I found out from um, coronavirus is actually there's a lot of people that have actually just had really charmed lives that have never had adversity, struggle, and now they're they're having it. And people that I always thought, you know, had respect for and admired and thought, oh, they seem to have their shit together, all of a sudden have lost it over this and think, oh, and they've realized like, oh wow, you have never been challenged. Everything is easily enough for you. For me, like I was I shouldn't laugh at coronavirus, but I was laughing at like when when it first happened, I was saying to Anita, oh everybody, welcome to my world. <laughs> what I've yeah. been through for the last few years of like everything going to crap and whatever. It's like now it's happening to everyone, not just me. So I'm just like, I'm, I'm used to this. It's no, it's no different for us. If you look at the gurus out there, some of the people we really looked up to, you know, the multi-eight figures, the people that we mm. were always like, we're going to follow what they do. Mm. When coronavirus happened, they were silent. They didn't know yeah. what to do. They weren't stepping up as leaders. We all thought they were leaders because they'd always told us they were leaders. But actually, a leader isn't just there in times when everything's easy. Mm. A leader shows up to help people when times are hard. Yeah. And they didn't. They were still writing their usual challenges and their usual yeah. launches. And I was thinking, mm. are you not even going to like talk about what's happening here? And I think some of us who had adversity leadership came more naturally because we know how to deal with things when things go wrong we have dealt with that before and so we don't see a big path even in normal business i see the difference between somebody that's not had any kind of adversity they, they come across something that's hard in business and they're like oh oh well i tried and that's it that's finished whereas if you've had adversity you don't stop at that you find a way around it you've had to do it your whole life you find a way through it you smash through it and you always will and I think that's a really good thing. So instead of people thinking, oh, you know, I've had problems in my life, so it's going to be harder for me in business, it's going to be so much easier for you in business. So how are things going with your business at the moment? Because I'll be honest, although I've understood and know about the online world, I know very little about the affiliates. And I've seen like, you know, where you see the other online coaches, um, you know, rah rah about somebody else's and they seem to be buddying up and doing the joint venture things and whatnot, but I don't know masses about it. And obviously you're one of the first ones in the UK really to have at to actually be now, I think this is your first one, isn't it? Actually, yeah. And I don't mean affiliate scheme as in like, oh, you'll give 10% if somebody's just, no. you know, throwing somebody's name into the hat. I mean like proper actual affiliate scheme. So how is that? For me, it's just an experiment. I don't know whether I'll ever do one again. I don't know whether it's for me, but I am one do of those- Do you mind people. actually like explaining it? I have a course, I have a program, one to many, and that program is done by, you know, between 100 and 300 people each time I do it. Each time I do it, because people get results, they've ended up, telling a load of other people about it who have then come into the next one and I've always loved that like it feels like you know that's the way it should be done people shout about the results they've gotten so people then come in but I've never rewarded them for it and I've been in lots of um, affiliate programs in America where if you tell someone to join someone else's course you get half the money you know you don't have to do anything else it's a really great passive income stream all you do is say hey you know how about you know to your audience how about coming into this program it's a program I did and I've done this for people like Selena Sue who I absolutely love I did her programs I loved them so I decided to tell my audiences about them anyone that came in I would get money and that's my bit done so it's a really good form of passive income so I've been doing these affiliate launches for others and then decided that in the year of 2020, I was not going to do an affiliate launch. It was never on the plan because I'm one of those people that was worrying that 
well, what if it goes wrong? People will be watching me. What if, you know, I do a launch in, in 2020 and something doesn't work out? And so I'd always done things the same way, knowing in the last three years, that if I just stuck to my plan, I'd have a six-figure launch pretty much every time. And then coronavirus hit and I thought, you know what? If I do something wrong this year, no one's going to care. Everyone's going to go, oh, well, you know, who knew, who knew what was going to happen in the year of the pandemic? So I started playing with the business and doing things that I wouldn't normally do, which resulted in a £300,000 launch. And so I was like, okay, that experiment worked. And I did a few things I would never have done before. And so what do you put the success of that down to then, just as an aside? Down to so many different things that I wouldn't have done. I had a pop-up group for a challenge. I used bots, which I'd never dared to use because I thought my audience would hate them. Like loads of little things. I, I emailed my audience hell of a lot more. And I was thinking, if I lose half of my subscribers, it's pandemic year. It almost for me gave me permission to play with my business and to experiment. Yeah. And so this affiliate launch, I was thinking, well, what can I do that's different? Well, I've always wanted to see if an affiliate launch would work in the UK. No one's done it in the UK properly. People have played with it. No one has done it in a real big US style way. So I was like, can I do this and give 50% of the profit away? And I thought, you know what? They are going to tell people to buy it anyway because they've just, I've just had 300 people in there where people are getting every day. I'm being told I've made this much money. I've done this. I'm like, they're going to talk about it. Let's reward them for talking about it. So open this affiliate launch, had applications in, had over 200 applications, said yes to 112 um, people and um, some big names in there and some people that have never launched before. And it's just an experiment. Let's just see what happens and if we make the same amount of money or, or we don't. But it's good because what I enjoy about affiliate launches is the competition part. I'm very yeah. competitive and that's why I do well in affiliate launches for other people. Um, I've in, in a launch where some of the people, there were 250 people in a launch last year that I was part of and some of those people had over a million people on their list wow. and I had less than 2,000 and I came fourth wow. and I'm competitive when it comes to like the competition part and so that's what I'm trying to bring to, to mine um, yeah there's a leaderboard and the people that make the most go on a private jet with me and and you know get these great prizes it's fun and it should be fun it should be camaraderie in there and, and helping each other at the same time as the competition and so I'm trying to bring all of that into it as well and see what happens. And it might be so different because I don't know whether UK, the UK mentality is different to a US yeah. mentality. And also, you've not just doing an affiliate launch. You've got to educate everyone what Absolutely. an affiliate launch is. I've been training well. them for six weeks. Yeah, and, sh and show them what that actually looks like. Because no, it's yeah. not like they, they're, they're Americans that just get it. There's people in America. That's just their, that's their job. It's just mm -hmm. selling it's other people's stuff, isn't it? Just being an yeah, affiliate. Yeah. They don't like even that's have their do. own stuff. They just sell other people's to their I audience. Think, uh, screw the nine to five. Jill and Josh Stanton, I think their business is, is at least you know mostly affiliate marketing like that's what they do other people's and they've got a huge audience but yeah it's not known as well in the UK so I'm trying to like and also some of the people haven't launched who are in my audience who want to tell people about me so I'm teaching them how to launch at the same time so it's almost yeah. like a program because what I teach is passive income affiliate marketing is passive income so I'm teaching them at the same time as they're doing it 
so it's been a real fun experiment for me and and in two weeks time we'll know exciting definitely so so you kind of played with stuff because of the pandemic do you generally I mean have you got a 2021 plan how far ahead do you plan and how organized and military are you about it we're not military I've got more I've got better at it I am not a planner I like to just go okay my audience need this let's put it out and that's how I you know got to seven figures with no Facebook ads no affiliates none of that it was just I can see what they need so I can give it to them but I've now got an operations manager so this year I started playing with ads for the first time started building a team for the first time and I took on an ops manager because I knew that the way I was doing things wasn't right and she Mm. makes stick to the plan we planned out everything until the end of 2021 she was like so do you feel okay with that we could see what the numbers would be we could see how much we're going to make we forecasted everything she was like do you feel okay with it yeah feel okay with that and then I woke up two weeks ago and went so I've had this dream and in this dream I put out this visibility course and I really think people need it right now what with the pandemic I was like can we do a sales page she was like oh so she does it and she did the sales page and we made like 30 grand in a day just putting this thing out there and for me that's the fun that's the buzz of it yeah and so let me do it every now and again as long as I'm sticking to the plan but for me if you plan then you can do these ad hoc things but if you don't have an ad hoc thing to do there's still stuff happening you know otherwise you rely on the ad hoc ideas and if they don't come you've got out there. Yeah. Well, like last time we when we launched our program last time, and it wasn't until like I think after we'd done done it in the car close, we went, oh yeah, we didn't do the bot last time, did we? And like, how stupid are you to have not? You've just missed that whole bit. But we just did because we just I don't know, we were just cracking on and and doing things. Yeah. She makes me sit down and go, right, let's evaluate what happened Mm -hmm. in that launch, what was good, what was bad. She writes it all down, and then next time she says to me, remember last time, this is what you said. So let's add this. So it's someone that. Because I am spontaneous. I'm not someone that likes the metric or the numbers. I only like the numbers that I can see on my Stripe account. I don't care about any of yeah. the numbers. Yeah, it's boring. It's boring for me. She yeah. like loves it. She's yeah. like, that drives her. So she's like looking at the numbers. And the first week she came in, she like looked at my emails and were like, your nurture sequence is okay, but you know, you're getting 30% open rate on them. Whereas these few emails that you sent in the last year that people absolutely love have been like 60% open rate and people are responding to it. Let's put those in your nurture sequence. That's what you need, definitely. That's what we need. Someone doing that. All those boring bits. But then what's interesting to you is someone else is boring, isn't it? So stick to what you're good at. I genuinely believe that. Stick to what you're good at because you'll enjoy it and you'll be better at it and then outsource the rest. We always ask everyone, Lisa, on this, uh, a couple of questions. One of which is um, to recommend a book because we will give the book away every single time we have a guest on. We ask them for a book recommendation and then one of the listeners can uh, win it. So what, and it can be any book, um, you know, business, marketing, personal development related. So I'll give you my favourite book and I think it's made the biggest impact on my business is Pat Flynn's Superfans. Um, It's a great book. I believe that when you grow an audience, you shouldn't grow just an audience of people. You should grow a loyal audience. And it's really, it's a big thing for me. And I, I talk about that a lot because that loyal audience is what has made things happen for me. Like, you know, I had a tiny loyal audience 
but that little tiny loyal audience managed to make my Forbes article go viral with 250,000 views in a week. And those things make a difference to your bottom line at the end of the day. So grow a loyal audience. And he talks a lot about that and about, you know, why you need super fans in your business, even if it's a small amount of super fans and how to do that using things like groups and lists, how to culture that base of people that actually really trust you. Like your tribe. Like, yeah, you know, I, don't, I don't love the word tribe, tribe but, but yeah, yeah. I, I know what you mean. Like a, a group of people that not only completely trust you, but trust each other and feel like they're in the right place and that they don't feel like at school when there was all the different types of people out there, mm. they didn't fit in, grow somewhere where people feel like they fit in. And I think he does that really well in Superfans and talks about how to do that. And I love that book. I'm in uh, GSD Society, which is your membership. And yeah. um, it is that kind of vibe of like, they get it. They're in there because they, they get it. What I love about my membership, what I think is different about it, is that I attract people with real integrity. Not the integrity where you're just spouting it, hmm. but actual integrity where they really care about each other. And that's more important to them than money. And yeah. that's what I love. I've not ever had a single argument happen in there in three oh. years. Not one that is good. like nasty spat, people arguing with each other, yeah. anything like wow, that. Wow, yeah. It doesn't happen. That that's is, that's really I haven't actually so read the, that. I've, I've heard that book. I've heard of that book, but I haven't actually read that one. So no, I'll have I to get it on Audible it. and listen to it. The other question we always ask, because we are the Get Savvy Club, is what makes you savvy? I think the biggest thing that makes me savvy is that I refuse to have a business model that doesn't work for my life. And I think it's really easy to have a business model like everybody else has because you just follow other people and you just fall into it. But actually, it's much more savvy to maybe stop that and decide what you want your life to look like and then have a business model that supports that. And that can be terrifying. Yeah, it was terrifying for me too, to go, well, I'm not taking on one-to-ones anymore. This is what I'm doing instead. And I had to plow a lot of money into it to learn how to do it. But that's really savvy because then you get a business where you have true freedom and you really can do what you want and work a lot less hours and make a lot more money. But you kind of, I don't know, whether it's our age or what but you kind of brought up that you've got to work hard to be successful and I'm really trying to get rid of that mindset that actually you don't have to be working you know 20 hours a day to have success but you could actually don't feel guilty about it very and if successful you step back to what Anna says at the beginning which is we did a challenge and it almost felt too easy mm. and I get this a exactly. lot I get this well I've just made 100k but it felt like almost too easy I feel like I've done something wrong and I'm like why are you feeling that way like yeah. it doesn't have to be hard our parents lied to us we have to work yes. smart not hard thank you so much for being on um, is there any um, where can people find you the best thing to do is if you're thinking about making recurring revenue passive income or courses or memberships if you go to lisajohnson.co.uk there is a freebie in there under the freebies tab and it's called the cash calculator um, you could also just go to www.thecashcalculator.com, which is probably an easy way of saying it. And um, that will, if you fill in that quiz, that will tell you if you're ready to make passive income. And if you're not, it will tell you exactly what you personally need to work on to get there. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. Brilliant. That was an awesome, awesome um, interview there with Lisa Johnson. As she said, you can catch up with her. You can find, literally, if you just Google Lisa Johnson coaching, you'll find everything that you need to know about her. So if you want to be in with the shout of winning the book that Lisa recommended, which is the Superfans book, you just need to screenshot this episode, 
and then share it on social media and tag us in and then you can be in with the shout of you like folding your pieces of paper whilst on this you can hear this Anita. No, no, no. <laughs> um yeah so you can screenshot it share it tag us on instagram is probably easiest or you could even just email it to us at info at getsavvyclub.co.uk rate review the podcast as well and we might be shouting that out for you too uh, but yeah what i love the most about lisa really is the fact that she takes all the crap that she's been through in her entire life and there's been plenty plenty of it ups downs all sorts and she um re-channels that and uses it as fuel so if she's scared about doing something she thinks of all those people that bullied her in the past all those things people that said that she couldn't do it and she just does it and uh, from someone that's been in her world for not that long um yeah she is just someone that gets out there and just does it um which we can also follow don't forget actually there's still time to get into our five-day challenge which starts on monday um so we'll put the link in the show notes it's a completely free challenge five days and if you want to get better at using social media to attract new clients online um join us we've got um as of recording nearly a thousand businesses in so it's going to be phenomenal yeah get yourself into that 28th of september see you all soon bye bye that was marketing made easy the podcast from get savvy club if you enjoyed it join our facebook group just search get savvy club